who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Awkward Sex in the City. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? You guys good? Are you taking care of yourselves? Are you washing your hands constantly? Are you wearing your mask? Um, I hope you guys are safe. I hope you guys are feeling all right. Uh, as we know, uh, there's a lot of people in the White House right now that now have corona. Um, they have the virus. Uh, and there's a huge uptick in cases in most states right now, uh, including New York City. New York State and New York City, it's a little bit of a clusterfuck. So I hope you guys are safe. I hope you guys are feeling okay. And thank you again for just, you know, showing up, listening, downloading, liking, sharing, checking out the Patreon. This week, I got to talk to Cooper Reif, who is the sweetest 23-year-old boy I think I've ever met in my life. And you probably actually don't know his name, but I actually legitimately feel like a lot of us will very soon. Um, I got the pleasure of watching his movie, Shithouse, a couple weeks ago and like full stop. Have not felt this many feels uh, from a movie in a very long time. It's very beautifully done. So many, so many feelings, so much vulnerability, so much of me I could see myself in it. Uh, so I'm not going to talk too much about the film because uh, I want you guys to go watch it. It's going to come out October 16th at I with IFC Films. And Cooper fucking wrote, directed, co-edited, produced, and starred in it. And it also has an amazing cast. It has Dylan Galua, which um, I'm pretty sure most of my audience will know her from... Uh, Kimmy Schmidt, she plays Xanthippe, one of the, my favorite characters ever made in life. 
um, that has Logan Miller from Love, Simon and has a few other people that like you're going to be like, oh, I know this person. And I'm just very impressed by Cooper. I'm, I'm very impressed by this movie. Uh, in a weird way, it reminds me a lot of Pen15, even though obviously Pen15 is a very specifically unique show that I love so hard. But it's how open and vulnerable uh, this movie gets and how it just makes you feel so many feelings in it. Uh, and it's just, it's a really cool movie that I wish I had when I was like in my teens or my early 20s. And, you know, the youth are getting some really good movies uh, that they're going to see good like coming at age stories and I'm just I really am honored that I got to sit down remotely obviously with Cooper and we talk about we talk about the movie we talk about the similarities between the movie and him and his real life like what is mirrored what is not we talk about dating a little bit we talk about family a little bit and it's just a very like introspective and like vulnerable and just very real which are like my favorite types of interviews that I get to do with Awkward Sex in the City so I know you're gonna like it Thanks for listening. Um, first off, this movie's great. Thank you. Like 20, 22 year old me would have fucking eaten this up. I ate it up at 32. <laughs> like I loved it. And it's um what's really random is the week before I had Clark Moore on, who is also in um Love Simon as in as is Logan oh, Miller. Yeah. And with him, I was talking about how much better movies are right now for like the yes. youth. Like for kids to have shit house and to have like Love Simon and movies like that, just like groundbreaking and just like so eye-opening in so many ways. Yeah. So just like Chef's Kiss. Love what you Thank did. Thank you man. so much. And it's also like the person who wrote Love Simon is this guy named Isaac, who I actually just talked to. And he's like a young dude. He's like 30 years old. So I think it's just Younger people making stuff for younger people, too. Yeah, totally. So with, like, Shithouse, is it, does it come from, like, an autobiographical, like, space? Definitely. Like, in the, I think in the same way that everything personal and original, like, comes from, you draw from your life. But I, none of the, um, the dynamics are based on real, like, Maggie is very much based on this girl named Madeline. It was like the oh, love shit. of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, crap. Okay. So, oh my God, I love this. Um, okay. So, because the best part of Shithouse for me was the ending. I'm so glad really you, say, it... you say that. Yeah? Oh, were you afraid people were going to like it? No, I like know it? a lot of people have said they don't like it to my face. See, I feel like too many movies have like these vague endings and you really go into this journey with like Maggie and Alex and just like, they both have very real reasons for the way that they feel or how they're reacting. And so to see like the growth at the end and just having that like slow builds come so abruptly at the end for like the audience, it was a really good like payoff in my opinion. I think so too. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm so glad. So, okay. So like this, like, so Madeline is like your girlfriend right now. No, so she, well, she's, it's crazy. She's actually with me right now, but we're not together. She lives in New York. Right now we're both in LA because she's coming to visit because like I, we wanted to like experience the shithouse premiere together and just, okay. and we're also just best friends, but we broke up. I think it's 
it's been a year now since we broke up because she moved to New York and I stayed in Los Angeles. And also just things were, we, um, lots of complicated things, but we ended up breaking up and, but we still talk all the time. And yeah, it's crazy. That's very mature. Like as someone, as a 30 year old that has never like stayed friends with an ex, like I immediately just like cut them out of my life completely. Like I, I don't know if I could do friends after like a very serious relationship yeah what are the tips the tips are uh don't ask too many questions okay (laughs) um but also just realizing that you uh love each other and want to spend time together and there's no reason not to um but also it's really early on so i don't know if in six months i'll be like what was i thinking or yeah. even in two months, if I'll, yeah, so it's still, if it still feels really fresh. So when you say it's based off of her, did you guys have like a very similar like first night together, and then a second night very similar like at that happens in the movie? No, no, no. We we had, I mean, the first night we were together was, I guess, the sexual part was similar. I guess the okay. um me like standing up and her on the bed and her being like, do you want to take your hoodie off? (laughs) But the, we didn't have our huge night together after that. We had like had a nice walk before that, but I think it was just me trying to get our whole relationship in two nights. Like it wasn't, um, uh, that was all way spread out. And I just kind of condensed it all into that. Uh, that night and then the the night after was kind of our arguments throughout our first the first year of our relationship was like kind of I tried to bottle up all those arguments in that one argument because I think we're just in real life we're perfect foils for each other we just like have a very um we were raised very differently in different homes and um we see things like fundamentally different and mm-hmm. so I was just trying to that argument that Maggie and Alex have at the party is, is almost is basically the exact same argument that I have with Madeline still to this day all the time. So, <laughs> OK. Yeah. You do it very well. Like the arguments are very seamless. They feel very natural. So so to like kind of learn that those were all from like in a span of a year to have it like boiled down to like a day and a half, two days. Um, I would have never guessed that. I would have assumed that it was based way more on the actual reality in the same like timeline as well. Yeah. Well, it's even more, longer than a year. We were together for two and a half years. And I mean, I think the first year we was that that was the year we had the most fights for sure. But I think mm-hmm. the arguments are so seamless because I've we argue all the time and it's really easy, <laughs> easy to, to pull from my memory. Okay. <laughs> and so is she was she like your first love of your life? Like the first person? No, I I think I say in shithouse, like I had a high school girlfriend for three years. So you do say that. Yeah. So she um was my guard in a sense when I got to college. I think mm-hmm. I was constantly thinking about my high school relationship. And also I the other thing is I didn't meet Madeline until my sophomore year. So I oh, okay. it wasn't a freshman year romance. I just made it for the movie. It was freshman year. And was your freshman year uh, isolating like that? Were you very alone? I mean, in the same way that everyone is, yes. But also, I was not at all like Alex. I think Alex was me picturing what 
my freshman year would have been like if I hadn't turned my brain off. Like, I think I was, I mean, I was similar to the roommate in a way. Like, I, I drank a lot and I, um, I was also similar to Maggie. Uh, but I think Alex was me trying to imagine, uh, what if I hadn't turned my brain off and just also just trying to get to the core of what college is and what it means to grow up and leave home and how bizarre it is to fall asleep the first night under a different ceiling. Like it's just, I wanted to uh, confront that as a freshman. Whereas I think my freshman year, I wasn't confronting those harsh, painful realities. Yeah, it definitely like brought me back to like my freshman year in college. And I was very similar to Alex in that I was like very, very close to my mom and my dad. So this idea of this like full independence and like making your own choices that I actually I went to a big party college. I remember I had to like make a choice of either like staying in my room like alone while everyone in my like suite left or I would go out. Um, And old me was very much like Alex, where I would have been like, no, I'm going to stay in. But I literally like called my mom and asked for permission, which then I would realize like, no, you're 18. Like you don't have to do that. Like you make your own choices. But I wondered, I ended up like choosing to go out, but I always wondered what would have happened if I decided to stay in. Like I felt like it would have been way more isolating and like a very scary experience to be so independent and surrounded by so many people that you don't know at the same time. And that's what I really liked about this was I felt like you did a really good job being portraying like so many different experiences happening around you while you felt like you were stuck. Thank you. Yeah. I think, yeah, same. It's, it was just picturing what just the college is so hard. It's so, (laughs) and you go out and you try not to think about it. But when I was making a movie about it, it was hard not to see uh, just how crazy and painful it is. Yeah. Also have, have fun though. I mean, it's such a fun time and like time really feels endless in a really joyful way so i try to get that in there too it is a very like unique four to five years or like seven years that you're in like for undergrad it is such a like time never ends you have so much independence there's so much like rapid growth but there's also like so many different types of regressions happening at the same time and just like learning to really truly like stand on your own two feet without any help from anyone around you right and like you were saying about asking what what you were saying about asking your mom for permission i think we're also constantly um asking like our original homes for permission of like can i just am i just Am I by myself right now? I'm like taking care of myself right now for the first time ever. And I think, but at the same time, people like Maggie, I think, are taking care of themselves far before. And so I tried to show that I there were so many people that I met that got to college and they were kind of kicking ass because I think they were used to uh, being independent and being alone even. Um and Madeline's very much like that. Like she uh, did well, I think, because she was used to the the unique nature of college. Yeah. And so you have you graduated already? I didn't even graduate. I dropped out my after <laughs> my at the beginning of my junior year. I dropped out like before paying for a junior year. Okay. So I have not graduated. No. 
Well, it seems like it was the right choice. College, honestly, is not for everyone. College is this like dream or like myth that was like thrown into my generation's like brain of like, you have to do this. You have to go to have a better life. And now, like 10 years later, I'm like, I don't know if it was. I mean, I had a great time, but I don't think it's like necessary. People make it seem like you have to go to fully become a human. And it's like not at all. Like there's so many other ways to grow and adapt. And learn. Yeah, I think, the, I mean, part of me, I, I think I just dropped out because I uh, just had a, uh, an opening to make this movie and I just it made the most sense. But there's part of me that does want to go back even. Like, I don't think I would go back to a school like I went to Occidental and Eagle Rock, but like. Oh, yeah, I know Occidental. Yeah, but I don't, so I don't think I would go back there. But I think to go back and I miss being in class, I think, like just the discussions and. Um, college is a very cool place, but I do think I missed two awesome years for sure. The the wanting to be back in class kind of never leaves. Right. You kind of always want to like be surrounded by peers and like listening and learning. Um, but also like your twenties, like twenties, that decade is so intense. Um, like there's so many high highs and there's so many like low lows. And so it's like a whole new type of learning how to take care of yourself. But I feel like I feel like you've got like a very good grasp of that already, especially. So you started making this movie back when you were like 20, 21. Yes. 20. Yes. I, I made it my I, like it would have been my junior year of college is when I made the movie. OK, because I was going through like the um, the PR notes and a thing that I noticed that you do, which is really, really good. And a lot of people don't know how to do it and never learn uh, is advocating for yourself because it's such a vulnerable thing. And that's what you constantly did. Like you did it on via Insta um, Insta DMs. I don't know what I was trying to say there uh, <laughs> via Twitter. Like you reached out to like major players in the in this um, industry. And you didn't stop. And like people like don't know how to do that to be like, no, I deserve this. You should hear me. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I thought I deserved it, but I think I always have maybe the security just to like try crazy things. Like I've tried so many crazy things that didn't pan out, but it just so happened that those crazy things uh, worked out and led to awesome things. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what things that you tried did not work out? That's a great question. So many things. I think I I had written this TV show my freshman year of college, and I was just obsessed with it and thought it was the best thing ever. And I tried to get, not kidding, like every single person in LA to read it. Just like, I didn't even realize that agents don't accept scripts. I was so naive that like, I would just send emails to every, I would be on IMDb Pro and every email I could find, I would just send them a cold email saying, and it's so funny because I've met with, uh, right after South by Southwest, I was meeting with so many people and would say, hey, check your email for Cooper Rife. I bet you have a crazy email from me. Because, and every time I did, because I think I just, there was a period, period in my life where I I felt desperate to make something or have someone read my my work and I just was constantly asking people and then at a certain point I was like I have to make something about myself and then so my spring break my sophomore year I made a movie that turned into shit house basically it was like this 50 minute long movie called Madeline and Cooper and Madeline 
acted in it with me. And Aww. yeah, and it was our best friend filmed it. And Madeline doesn't act. She doesn't want to be a filmmaker. Will, our our friend doesn't want to be like, had never held a camera before, but I somehow convinced them to help me make this movie. And it, that's how I, I sent, I tweeted that link to Jay Duplass and then Jay Duplass helped us make Shithouse, helped me make Shithouse. That's amazing. Yeah. There's something, there's it's something very interesting. I'm like, these people didn't really want to do it, but that sounds like that you must be like very trusting or like that people trust you a lot to be like, I know you've never done this and you don't want to do this, but like, it will be great. Is that something I'm assuming that you said throughout trying to get them to do it? So there must be like something very trusting about you. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sure. Okay. <laughs> I think it was also, I think they didn't think much of it. Like it was also a fun, we liked each other and we were going to spend, we didn't have spring break plans and it was just five days where we were, I think, I think they thought it was more, we were going to just mess around and have fun and maybe drink and like film something. But it ended up, I ended up coming to them with like a very intense script and schedule and be like, all right, let's get to work. And they were like literally five, 12 hour days. And they're, <laughs> I think honestly, they hated my guts the whole time, but it was super <laughs> fun at times, but also it's really funny too because when Jay said, "Oh, I like this. I want to help you make this into something else," their memories were um, so much better. All of a sudden, like they, yeah. I think they remembered it uh, more fondly than they did like right after it. <laughs> well, the, like what you do, like anything, I feel like in Hollywood takes a lot of work, like writing, filming, directing, acting. That it's very easy. Uh, to you almost like black out or like block out how shitty the process is when you get to like the fun stuff of like all of a sudden jay is like yes let's make this into something or like being at south by southwest or like the the fun stuff but it takes so long to get there it takes a long time it just takes so many uh horrible feelings too like i i had a when i was editing the 50 minute movie it was it had gotten into summer when i was editing and i um was doing Uber Eats and uh, had like no money and was editing at night and it was just miserable. And I was, and I, it was so clear that I could be working on all of this and still nobody's going to see it in the same way that no one was reading any, anything. I was mm-hmm. just, so there were so many nights where I was so, so unsure of myself and just having one person come in and say it's watchable was so just um, euphoric. It's a really good point to make, too, is like when you're an artist or a creative, so much of the stuff that you make, no one's actually going to see. Right. And it takes so much time and so much energy and vulnerability that like I, I can't remember who I was talking to on the podcast like a few weeks ago, but we were talking about how hard it is to be an artist and still have to do it with like a full time job. Like it's yeah. exhausting. In a lot of ways, it actually can mess up a lot of other things in your life, like dating, relationships. And it or, did. Like, yeah, that's yeah. I was going to ask you, have you like always wanted to be like a filmmaker? Has this been like a big part of your life? I didn't really ever want to be a, f- I mean, I'd never wanted to be a director. Um, I always wrote and I really enjoyed acting in high school. And um, and I tried to act for a second when I got to LA, but then I think I realized how bleak the auditioning process is. Mm-hmm. And so I just focused on writing, writing, writing. And then when I realized how hard it was to uh, break into writing and be a writer. I think um, 
that's when I started thinking, oh, I can try to direct. And then even with Shithouse, I was trying to find a director for that for a really long time. And then it got to be like the end of summer and we had to film during summer because college was going to start back up and we needed an empty campus. So I just ended up saying I'll direct it. And then on Shithouse, I think I realized that my love for writing, my love for acting really uh, combines and like fuses in a really awesome way that is uh, directing and what I love about directing. So I really fell in love with directing on Shithouse. But before that, I never, I never thought about it because I'm not a very good leader. And I think a director has to be a really good leader. And I felt uncomfortable in that position on Shithouse. But I think... Mm -hmm. Um, I learned a ton and like moving forward, I think I do want, I'm really interested in directing. Yeah, you did. Um, so I went to school for media arts and design and I had a lot of screenwriting classes and one of the teachers was like, if you actually want to break through, you're going to have to write, direct and act and produce. He was like, you have to do, if you're not the producer of your own shit, like you're not going to have any say and you're not going to get into as many rooms as you think. And so I do a live show. I have like kind of backed away from like screenwriting and I do like a live comedy show based off of the podcast. Well, the podcast is based off of the show and producing what became so important of just like making sure to get into rooms and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an amazing teacher that I mean that I don't think that advice is given very often because it's so overwhelmingly hard to even consider doing that. But you really in order to do something you do have to do all four things it's like it's just true because yeah. that that's the only way to get your i think it's sometimes the only way to get your voice across at that level where you're maybe not your friends aren't like the best actors in the world or you're um you don't have like a director to call in who's really talented like it just to in order to show what you want to say you have to be in charge of all four things for that first thing i think i, I mean that's for me that was what it was but i I've, I've never heard it's just it it's it's hard not to feel self-absorbed when you're doing all four things because you've been told and there is a reason why those are four different jobs um because it just makes things harder on everybody else also but but to hear that advice i feel like is so would be so freeing yeah it felt it felt very real it definitely put a very like oh if I really want this, it's way more work than I realize. So it kind of made you go like, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. And like you said, it is really true. You have to really put in a lot of work. And like for me, like it's ruined friendships. It's mm -hmm. like definitely it was like hard with dating. Like there's definitely people that um, couldn't handle that that I was dating and obviously that's okay. Like shit works out. Like I've been, I'm engaged now and I've been with this person like five and a half, six years. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> but I think people get nervous too when they're, when their career is like such a big part of their life. Like there is a way to balance that yeah. to be able to, and it just comes down to communication of just like what you need mm -hmm. creatively and then what you need emotionally and then vice versa, what they need from you. Cause if you don't mind me asking, you were saying it did kind of mess up stuff for you dating wise. Yeah, well, it was just really hard on Madeline, it, and I knew it the whole time, and um, we ended up breaking up right after filming because she's, um, we were living together, and the big mistake we made is we lived together to kind of like mm -hmm. to save money, but also we're just in a small place living on top of each other essentially, so it just was not the best idea that we had, but 
she, uh, I think our relationship was ending for a while and she was uh, sweet enough not to leave in the middle of me like filming shit house. But um, my time was, it, it was just a, such a crazy time in my life where I was so busy and getting no sleep and not taking care of myself and almost relying on her to help take care of me. And the irony of that was that I was making a movie about a kid learning how to take care of himself. And I was just like not doing a good job of that. And so we were both on the same page that I think the relationship was ending. And it was just a matter of what's the best time to to move out and all the logistics of that. And she had always wanted to go to New York also. And, um, and there's part of me that I, I totally would have gone to New York, but I just like knew that she needed to go to New York by herself and do her thing and be away from me for a while. Yeah. It's, I mean this in the sweetest way possible. It is shocking how mature you two are. Like I'm going back to like my like 23 year old, like awful relationship. And I have no clue how to communicate what was missing and what I needed that could have maybe uh, helped the relationship. And also I, I am so spiteful sometimes that I would have left like in the middle of your film. Right. Like I would have been like, I'm done. But the fact that like, it's just very obvious, like how much caring is there between you two. Yeah. We love each other so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I mean, obviously like I'm not trying to put like any thoughts in anyone's heads, but maybe that space is good that when you come back, come back that in a year, you guys are like, yeah, let's do this again. Because now you know separately what you need and that, and also what didn't work together. Not to be like, that's what you guys want, but like if that were to happen, because people get so weird about people getting back together after they broke up. And that's just people projecting onto you, onto yes. the couple. Yeah. Um, and I just don't, I get upset for people like, no, just do what you guys feel like is best for you and fuck what everyone else thinks. Definitely. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's been out in LA with you for, um, since COVID? No, no, no. She just, she, we, she's visited, uh, twice and this is her second visit, but it's only for a little bit of time. And that's hard in itself. Like she goes back and it's really nice spending time with her, but it's hard not to think about you're leaving soon. But I think ultimately, I mean, it's honestly, thank you for saying that we're mature, but I think we don't feel, I think we feel like we're, um, so many sayings for what I'm about to say, but like we're in a dark room trying to like find like what is what is the most helpful thing for right now, but also the most helpful thing for uh, a year from now and two years from now and that sort of thing. I think something that I wish I learned in my 20s is that like you kind of feel like that your whole life, like you're just like in a dark room trying to figure out what makes like the light turn on, and. I feel like people are like that's tell you that that's a bad thing, like you as in the general you. But as you get older, you start to learn that like, oh, my needs constantly change and the people around me, their needs constantly change. Right. So it's almost more not figuring out what turns on or like not trying to get out of the dark room, but learning to be like, OK, in the dark room and understand that right, right now yeah. it's just supposed to be like that. And then, yeah, you just kind of like grow and evolve. Yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, no. <laughs> no, no. You, I, you're like in it right now. I'm just in it. Yeah, it's hard to reflect when you're in it. But um, yeah, no, I think the main thing is uh, loving 
uh, one another and just knowing that you're not going to make the right decisions always. And yes, your needs are going to change, but also um, when that love and that fundamental, I'm going to always look after you and uh, love you and want the best for you, then um, everything else, it kind of not works itself out, but um, there's the safety net that you can fall back on when things are so sad and upsetting. Yeah. No, you're like crazy fucking mature. (laughs) 23, right? Yes. Thank you. Yes. No, crazy mature, crazy dedicated, crazy vulnerable. And that was like another thing I really liked about the movie was you were starting to really see a lot of like male characters being very vulnerable and very sensitive and it not being seen as like a weakness, but more of just like, it's weird that you don't understand why being sensitive is like a good thing to the other characters. And I really, really respected and appreciated that. Um, Because like, I'm trying to think now, like when's the last time I really saw like a very vulnerable and open, like young male lead in a movie. And I kind of can't think of one off the top of my head. Well, and the main thing too, was I got the note so many times that I, because the thing with Alex too is he cries so much. He doesn't just cry one time. He, you're you're five minutes or I don't, I don't know how many minutes in, but he's crying at every, in every act. Like I think he cries five times, and I got the note so many times to wait till that last phone call to to like have it build and do takes where you weren't crying or like where you were holding it back because for movies. The arc is always if someone if if the climax is the release of the emotion, you want to not uh, do it too early, I guess. But my Mm. whole thing was so like so many people were telling me don't have him cry so early and don't have him cry so often. Just he doesn't cry until the end. And I was just telling them that, um, first of all, Alex is just this is just who he is. He's a crier. But the main thing that's different, I think, from all the other cries in that last cry is that um, he's crying by himself in those uh, initial scenes. And the big climax is he's finally sharing his uh, uh, tears with his mom and sister and like being actually vulnerable in a way that, because I think when he's crying early on, it's not really true vulnerability. It's just, he's, kind of being kind of lying to his mom and hanging up and then crying by himself. And like, um, uh, he's not, I think there yet, but then in that climax, it's finally him scaring himself almost and opening up to the fact that, uh, I have to like say bye in this moment or I have to like divorce you in this moment. Um, but, but it's just about being open with the person and being like, uh, communicating your sadness and your uh, feelings as opposed to because I, I I'm always going to be someone who will like cry in a dark room watching a movie and just like or sob like thinking about things by myself but it's really hard for me to cry with other people I think mm-hmm. um, I think it's like hard for everybody to do that but that is like true vulnerability is like showing because because I think at the end of the day I know you're saying that um, you're not sh- saying that vulnerability is is weak. It, it is strong and like Brene Brown or whatever. Like it is um, a brave thing to do. But what vulnerability is, I think, is showing that you're weak and like being okay with that and like sh- trusting someone to um, be there for you when you're showing them, hey, I'm very weak. And um, 
and I'm very sad or, or whatnot. But yeah, I think I have such a hard time. I, it's, it's interesting because I have such an easy time crying, but I think I do have such a hard time being vulnerable. And, and also there's a whole thing of making a movie where I'm crying so many times is another, I think, vulnerable thing. And um, that was just really nice for me to do like with a whole set of people being like you okay and like sort of (laughs) (laughs) well it's really interesting you bring that up too like the notes because and I'm glad you stuck to your gut because there are there's so many different reasons why people cry Mm -hmm. and I think that's I think in movies you only get the like what like the final cry that we saw like that's the only one you get but to see like this kid who like who's you know a freshman in college you know crying because he's overwhelmed and crying mm-hmm. because he's like lying to his mother and crying because he's angry and sad uh you don't see and i think that's what made the final cry for like when you cried in that scene i cried too cuz i was like it was just so heartbreakingly sad of, yeah it's of just this, it's just so like, many things that are so sad and yeah the, it was so sad on on set too. I was so I did not know. It scared me how sad I was because I, I had had that moment so many times where I um, talked to my mom about how sad it is to leave home and you're never really going to get a certain time in your life back. I'm going to start crying right now, <laughs> but it's just it's so it was so uh, f- freeing, but like devastating to kind of like let it all out in that moment and really because when I was writing I was like trying to get to the actual heart of what it is is like I want to try and I'm so sorry that it sucks so hard to be a mom like it's just it's it's just when you think about what a mom's life is it's hard not to just sit there and cry your eyes out and if and it's not it's hard to not feel guilty but you know that it's the right thing because you have to everybody has to move out of their mom's home even if you're moving down the street like I really wanted to be clear too it's not just because he's going to another state it's like you always have to you're not going to be able to uh when you have a nightmare goes uh lay in your mom's bed like when you're 30 years old or even 20 something years old but I just wanted to show really how universally sad it is to be a parent because no one prepares you for how hard it is to drive away and leave your kid there i mean it's just i have so much empathy for my mom and for all parents who um just suck it up and 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 do that and and also don't um i think in that scene what's so great too is the mom like amy landecker we talked about she is not gonna she's going to be strong for her kid and she's going to cry later. Like she's not going to sob the way he's sobbing because like he needs to know that she's going to be okay. And look, when he says like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, she's like, it's, it's okay. We're, we're, we're okay. But I think there's this other moment that's so small, but she, she's listening to Alex cry. And then she looks at the sister and there's, and I was just like, there's just that moment where she's realizing oh, they're both going to be gone. And that's just, um, it's hard not to uh, feel so s- sad about that, but that's what life is. It's like yeah. praising someone and they're going to leave the nest and, or whatever. Yeah. The idea of just like having to let go. Um, yeah. It's yeah. like, I've uh, to like 
to like be in New York and do creative stuff. I've nannied for like almost 10 years now and to watch it. And I've stayed with one family for like eight years off and on. And to really watch like how much the mother is taken for granted and father, like the parents are taken for granted and like pushed away. And now they're like in their teens and they want nothing to do with their parents. And then you go back thinking about like how you were at that age too and pushing them away and then getting to college and it can't be about them. It has to be about like their child finding their own footing. And then it even gets crazier. It almost gets harder as you get older because all of a sudden, like you're not a child anymore. Like, right. And you're not going to listen to your parents every time. And then it could like this, this I'm talking of like from personal experience of like, I was very close to my parents. And then as I got older, there became like a rift of just like, I, because in my, my theory and my therapist theory is that like, because I didn't rely on their advice 24 seven, like I used to. And so they didn't know how really to be an adult or being a parent for an adult, like everything switches. It does. There's just entirely new ways of relating to each other. And it's just, uh, you, you stick through it because that's your, your kid who you put to bed and like you're, uh, but like, it's, it's so hard and awkward and uncomfortable. And I just like, I'm in that, the thick of that right now where my relationship with, um, really my whole family is just, it just feels, especially with Corona, like I went back for a little bit and it's just challenging in a way that doesn't feel good, but you like, you do. And I was like, why don't I just, I should just leave. Cause this is, I don't like this at all. But then of course, like when I get here, I'm like, I feel like I missed those certain moments and you want to be around your family always, I guess not always, but you're, <laughs> you want to, um, yeah, you I mean, again, it goes back to like you love your family, but it's just it's just being in your 20s and having to find those new ways to relate and figure out the new normal is it's just so cringy. It's there. It's, there's no other way to describe it besides like fucking cringy Yeah, because, you know, like boundaries have changed. And you're not sure how to explain that. And they don't know how to explain like their boundaries anymore. Yes. Um, I totally empathize with this. And I my advice, I've like finally like turned a corner. It's just like. I've learned to allow, especially my mother, back into things where I do want her opinion. It's like teaching her mm-hmm. like what opinions I do really value, not value. That sounds fucked up to you. I've just like making there be like not everything you say is right. Yes. Like, and like yeah. learning how to do that. And it has made me feel closer too because I definitely pushed away. And it's just, I'm so sorry. It is so hard. It's very hard. Um, if, I also highly recommend therapy to everyone. Therapy is like <laughs> yeah. the fucking best. <laughs> you learn so much about yourself and your family through it. My mom's a psychologist too, which makes it extra hard. Oh, yeah. see, I don't know if I could have like therapists <laughs> yeah. in the family. I'd always be afraid that they were just like analyzing my every move. No, she's really good about not doing that. But uh, she, what's really tough with my mom is I think she, what you're saying, I think she feels like she's very thoughtful and she knows that I, I get like, I feel the cringe and I feel like annoyed with her and I share like my anger with her. And, but I think it's at a place now that's really unhealthy where she feels like she's walking on eggshells with me. Uh, And I just don't want that at all. And I want to communicate to her that, um, I do value, uh, some uh, of her opinions. And I think right now it's like, Oh, I just, 
I, like we had one talk recently where she's like, I just don't, I feel like you don't like me. I'm like, Oh my God, I, I, I love you to death, but you're just an, annoying me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, cause I think we've, cause we have grown so far apart and I think that's the challenge is, um, yeah, what we're talking. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. The challenge is like learning how to keep your new self whole while not like, uh, bending on your boundaries to make like your parents feel needed right because then that's that's fake that's too really like good. that's not real uh and your parents would figure that out and so would your and so would yourself and it could make the rift worse right but yeah it, the fact that you guys talk about it already is great like there were years when me and my parents weren't talking about it at all and it was like this really weird like elephant in the room and it made it worse so you guys are already like in a spot where you're making moves to get to that uh healthier and like safer spot for both of you guys yeah sometimes i wish i could not talk about it but my mom doesn't not let that happen mm-hmm. we're really have no choice but to talk to my mom also <laughs> we talk about talking a lot too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that can be a lot that can be very overwhelming for like children like of adult children of like adult parents like that's a lot yes. to not just be able to just kind of be um, where are you from? I forgot to ask that. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Oh, yeah. okay. So it is because because you went to LA and that you is that where you're the um the mom and sister are located in the um movie. I can't remember. Yes, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. In Dallas. Okay. okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's also hard. I think when like. Like, for me, it was my mom moved away immediately because of how awful my grandmother was. Like, she was awful. Like, we, like, cut her out of our lives. And so my mom immediately was like, oh, you're doing this because I'm awful. Like, uh, sometimes it's, like, things Uh, that happened in their past are kind of being, like, like, trickling down onto you. So that can be part of it if that's, like, something you guys want to think about, like, later. Also, like, give yourself time to be like, I don't want to fucking talk about this or think about it, too. (laughs) And, like, stay with this. And say right. with shit house. Are you working on anything right now creatively for Yeah, I'm working on so many things just because I I feel like opp- well opportunities are coming and I just uh am trying to take advantage of it as best as I can. But I think I'm so I'm so busy right now. And um yeah, I've 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 had no choice but to like not talk about it. Like and, and but also my mom and every all of my like everybody's so understanding always. So my mom knows that. she's not like calling me like hey we need to talk about this like (laughs) but when we are together i think it's uh it's hard to she's not one for small talk ever it's like when we are on the phone having our catch-up it's like we're we're talking feelings (laughs) and that can be very draining especially when you're like trying to work on other creative stuff at the same time yeah i do i do also selfishly like it though because all of my work is always just like solely about feelings and it's always nice to i do just love my mom's so smart and uh, I love hearing she's, she's my like biggest inspiration. Like, cause she's so smart and um, even shithouse. I think my mom is kind of helped me understand what, like what I say in shithouse and what I wanted to say. I think um, my mom like helped me, uh, formulate that and i think so i think always talking to her i always like talking to her because it's always helpful for what i'm working on or what i'm writing what did she think of the movie 
she loves everything that I do, but she, um, <laughs> I think I, uh, I don't think I watched it with her the first time, but she left me the, uh, just a voicemail just sobbing. And I knew that she had just watched it and I purposely didn't answer it. Cause I was like, I don't know if I can do this right now, but she sent like, I, I want to frame the voicemail. It's, it's like the sweetest thing. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> yeah. She's really the best. She's awesome. Aww. The other thing that I wanted to ask, which is kind of a pivot, but when like COVID hit and like LA also kind of had to shut down too, the way like New York did, what did that do to you creatively? Like I couldn't for like months do anything creative. Um, I, that's a good question. I, for some reason it didn't affect me, uh, that much. Cause I mean, I, I feel like everyone says this, but my life really um, didn't change a ton because I always am kind of holed up and uh, I was just like right in my bed. So if nothing much was changing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing is when I get sad, that's when I do my best writing, I think, for some reason. Because I'm also ah. my very specific. Because the thing is, I think a lot of people, I write from a place of, uh, I'm sad and I want to make this like happy or whatever. And so when things around me are like that, it almost like helps me in a way. So like if things are really awesome and going super well, I don't think I get a lot of good, good writing done. And um, so, yeah, I was actually writing a ton and write like if I don't know, it was kind of the opposite for me, but, um, but there are days when, it's there's you can't even think about writing like you just feel so paralyzed it's not that um i don't have the whole oh, i have writer's block or it's hard to find inspiration it's just more of i shouldn't spend my time writing today i need to spend my time educating myself about what's happening but so i think in that way there was um roadblocks but yeah covid is just a really crazy time and so many things are happening that are kind of inspiring to me. Like I, I always just like to write about people protecting each other and also working together so that we don't even have to protect each other from like a crazy system. And, um, uh, so it was kind of just, I, so I, I think I wrote a lot actually, especially right, right when it happened and when, um, chaos was ensuing, I was doing a lot of writing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm glad to hear that. That's a good point, too, though. Like, I also I think when I write a lot of times, it's the more emotional I am, the better it is, like the more it's going to be real. And I don't feel like it's forced. Um, so I get that. I totally get where you're coming from. But I'm also glad to hear that. Yeah, but it's also easy to f uh, feel numb. And that's where you just can't write when you're numb. It's just oh, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I realized this morning um, this podcast is about like two, two and a half years old, maybe at this point. And you are my youngest guest I've ever had. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. And so I don't know if that's going to make sense, but I was going to see if you had any advice for us oldies. Like what is your advice on like life in general or like being creative or like love, sex, anything like that? Like what you have come to realize at like 23. I think we sometimes forget that like the youth is like great. The youth knows so much that we need to like listen to them too, <laughs> not just the no, old youth. I, I definitely don't know anything. I don't have any advice. I <laughs> I um 
I love to talk to older people because I like getting advice uh, from you guys. But I, I don't have any advice. I have like, um, I I guess I'm uh, experiencing all of the. I'm closer to all the new, uh, fresh experiences, maybe, and I'm not um, like I have that insight. But I don't. It's hard to reflect and put things into word and. Uh, words and and advice form but what do you mean advice on what um sex and love i don't have any good advice (laughs) don't worry none of us do um (laughs) or even just like in your career or like with your family or with friends like anything that you've at 23 have been like oh this is something that i should remember later on i guess i one thing i just answered a question a couple days ago like what advice and the thing that i said was i think that a lot of people in terms of just like filmmaking are think a lot about like what's going to be good. And uh, when they're trying to figure out what to make, it's, I think that's always the first question. And I just think that's the worst question in the entire world. And I think um, I've, the reflection that I've done is realizing that the only thing that's ever worked for me is just what do I care about saying right now? And like, what person do I care about right now and that's like all I write and want to make and um and I think I see a lot of people constantly asking what's going to be good and then people watch those things and they're like this is good or this is not good and that's just like such a crazy world to live in it's like that was good like I I just like it's just um I don't know the the critical eye is sometimes super duper weird. And especially when I was in college and I was studying media arts and culture, I just, everyone is just, uh, like I love being critical, obviously, and I love meaningful critiques, but I think there's uh, so often the way people watch things dictates how people make things. And it should, but like you kind of, I think have to, um, argue with the fact that I'm not making this to be like super sound or super good. Like I hope I, when you care about something and you care about saying something, you're going to make it watchable and you're going to make it good or whatever. But if you're coming from a place of what's going to be good, then you're just gonna, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like, and I just, I've just seen that a ton. And I think every, so many things I watch are just like, where did they where did this start? You are. It was just a wonder. <laughs> I'm having all these me- like general meetings where, um, I don't know, people's, I guess that's the thing is I've been meeting with a lot of people who are older and the uh, way that they come at story or come at uh, their jobs even, it's, it's just, it's so, it feels so forgetful of why they uh, got into it. And I think that's such perfect advice. And I think like as you get older, that is something you forget of like, why, why did you get into this? Because there is, as you like grow into it and do more creative stuff and you have to do like the meetings and the emails and the like really boring shit, it is easy to forget like, why did I start doing this? Which like, I don't know about you, uh, as I'm assuming like your friends are probably like a little bit younger, but like in New York, when... COVID shut everything down and it shut down movies and it shut down comedy because specifically like I'm a comedian. You watch like a lot of people have to refine one themselves without comedy because so many people didn't know it. And two, you watch a lot of people be like, 
oh, I actually don't really like this anymore. So you watch a lot of people quit, which is probably the best thing for them because it they forgot why they got into it. They it the the love wasn't there anymore. And it's very easy to forget and get stuck on this like hamster wheel of like I just have to do these things over and over and over again. And you lose so much of like the soul or the crux of what you're trying to create. Yeah. And so the fact that you kind of understand that already, like I did not understand what I was trying to create until probably my late twenties or early thirties of like, oh, these are my skills. This is what I do. Right. That make people feel good. Yeah. But I would have never known that. Yeah. Well, that's, a, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a great way to put it too, is feel good. Like, like I want that all I care about is someone like when the credits are rolling, like feeling that emotional fulfillment and like, like buzzing with that, like, like when your body's like vibrating, like that's what yeah, I think everybody wants. And, and also at the same time, uh, lots of movies that probably start at the place of like, what's going to be the best thing, like actually do end up getting that too. Cause they're really good at what they do and that they've uh, realized that is what I care about. So I'm going to make this like thing that started from a weird place, make it really good. But I think, um, so I think that there's, that is a, a way to do it. But if you're coming from a place of this is like, I just need to say this. I really want people to hear this. And then you try to make it entertaining or funny or whatever from, from there. That's always the, the stuff that at least I really want to watch. And the stuff that really just changes my, my life in a big way. And I, uh, yeah. Well, I think you've, you definitely have done it. Wish it house. Like I haven't felt so many feelings in a movie in a really long time while watching that. Like it was just, it was so good. I have nothing else to say besides it was so good. And it reminded me a little bit, like, I don't know if it's going to make sense, but it remind the vulnerability and the truth in it and how well it's grounded reminded me of Pen15 a lot. Yeah, thank you so much. I really, I saw the, the show that I was telling you about, like, way long ago, my freshman year, was about um, these, this seven-year-old and this nine-year-old who were played by college students. So it's like that pin 15, I've had such a weird relationship with that show. I love it so much, but it was, I was always like, they stole my idea. Cause oh, I, and I actually did like this web series for my college and people like, didn't, uh, like the whole thing was, it was like funny in that they were like, the thing that's different is that pen 15, they're playing, uh, they're like doing really good impressions of, uh, younger girls, but mm-hmm. their whole thing with the show was that they were acting like college students and talking like college students. They're like smoking cigarettes, but they were seven and nine. And like the whole thing was that their, their single dad made them grow up too fast. Uh-huh. So they're like the whole web series was, um, it's called Helen Harper and Helen Harper is like in their twin beds talking about these crazy things that like dad says and like what dad said today. Like, and so it was just like, there's a David Foster Wallace quote that's like, you're not shy. You're just so self-absorbed that it makes it difficult for you to be around other people. And like the dad like tells them things like that. And uh-huh. then they grow up too fast and they like smoke cigarettes, but they're like seven and nine. But anyway, all that is to say <laughs> when Pen15 came out, I like hated it so much because I was just like, they stole my idea and they're not even doing like a cool thing with it. But then I just, um, what I was, what I loved about the Helen Harper idea was just um, like bringing that like what I love about like 13 going on 30 it's just there is such a an innocence in everybody and like a such a of um a kid quality in um in every single thing and like an immaturity and just like 
but I, I just love watching Pin15 and watching these older girls um, go down like to p- people like and, or just like just like life is just you're constantly going to each other and the way that they like go to these girls and like it's just it's just beautiful it's really beautiful it really is uh i love it so much and i like i was 13 in 2001 and their accuracy is like disgustingly good (laughs) but i think like i think you could still do helen harper like i think that's a really interesting concept of like growing up too fast that hasn't really been done in like that that type of unique way like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like toss this out just yet. I think this is still a really good idea. Well, no, we're, we're that's one of the show that we, we, it's now that they're, that's a really small part of the show, but mm-hmm. that, but it's, so it's based on them in uh, their reality. Like they're, it's them playing their own age, but then oh, for okay. the flashbacks, we do show that they grew up too fast. Like, so that is still in a show that I'm working on. Okay, cool. But I love not, it. But that's not like the whole thing. Like I, I got the note so many times. Like, have you seen Pin Fifteen? I'm like, yes, I've seen <laughs> Pin Fifteen. <laughs> Remember that Shit House is going to come out October 16th with IFC Films, and I truly like. You're gonna love it. It's so good. I am so impressed by this movie. It's one of those movies that like. As a creative watching it, I was like, it made me want to create more. And just, it reminded you of how important all of our stories are and that people want to hear them and people want to see them and people want to feel things from them. And if you are lucky enough to be a creative, um, it's a very love-hate situation. Sometimes I love that I'm an artist. Sometimes I hate it. But just to have that ability to create and make people feel so many things is truly one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Um, And I just love to be enveloped in something so beautifully done, like Shit House. And I think you're gonna really love it. Check out Cooper Rife. Keep him on your radar, guys. I really think this isn't the first time you're going to hear his name. I think he's got a very huge career ahead of him. And I will see you guys next week. Remember, rate, like, subscribe, review, email me if you want to. Check out the Patreon. And I will see you guys next week. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. I love you. 